name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, forgive me if my nose is running during the sermon, but you guys from Cathedral Arts Project made me cry. Is that beautiful or what? Wow. It was May 19th, 1944. Howard Ives was 18 years old. He was boarding a B-24 Liberty bomber, which was leaving from England. They were to fly over Brunswick, Germany, and their orders were to bomb a munitions factory there. Howard was told to man a gun, which was over the third engine. He was given a parachute pack, but he was not instructed much about how to use it and certainly didn't practice. The only thing he was told was, if you have to jump out of the airplane, don't pull the cord until the trees are really close because you don't want the Germans to see you floating down slowly or they'll find you and kill you. His instructions? Shoot down any Nazi aircraft that you see. Oh, but they were fast. He said one of the airplanes flew underneath them and sort of diagonally across, shooting them all the way, and they struck their airplane. Howard had a, a headset on with a microphone, so he called the pilot and said, we've been hit somewhere near me, and the pilot said, just keep going, just keep going. But a few minutes later, there was a small explosion because the third engine had ignited. Howard said, the engine seems to be on fire, and the pilot said, we have to get out. Howard tore off his headpiece and grabbed that parachute pack and jumped out of the airplane, spinning in the air and not knowing which end was up. He was looking for the trees and tried to wait as long as he could until it seemed like he was right on top of them before he pulled the cord. The parachute worked, and he got down okay. He gathered up the parachute and tried to bury it under some leaves in the woods. And then the sun was setting, and he was so exhausted that he buried himself in the leaves and slept. In fact, later he would marvel at how he slept all night in enemy territory. As the sun was rising, this 18-year-old boy assessed his situation. He realized 
He had forgotten his shoes and was still wearing his flight boots. He hoped he might be in the Netherlands and he saw in the distance some Dutch windmills. He walked towards them and found a village. There was a boy there about 15 years old and he could speak some broken English. So Howard asked him, where am I? And the boy said, in Germany, sir, but it's okay. Come with me. He took his hand and he brought Howard to his house where Howard sat down and, and the boy's mother fed him some sandwiches and hot chocolate. The boy slipped out and brought a German soldier back with him. Howard was captured and spent one year of his life imprisoned and tortured. That one year was like a living nightmare to him. He was interrogated, he was bound, he had to march for 87 days straight, watching some of his comrades starve to death, and he ended up in a POW camp where he managed to survive until May of 1945, when he was liberated. Howard then moved back to Iowa, where he was from, and he married, and he had children, he farmed the land, he had grandchildren, but there was this broken peace inside of him, this hatred that wouldn't go away. Some 50 years later, a grandson of, of the pilot on that bomber contacted Howard. He was trying to put their story together. He was researching. After speaking to him, Howard had an idea. He realized that in order to find peace, he needed to find that 15-year-old boy who turned him in. After a lot of searching, he found the boy. His name was Wilfried Bierheim. He still lived in the area. And Howard wrote him. The 15-year-old boy was now 65 years old. Howard got not just a letter in response, but a box of German chocolates and an invitation. He flew to Germany, where he spent three days with the man who had betrayed him. And Wilfred cried and said, that his whole life he regretted what he did. You came to me for help, but I was frightened. 
I should never have done what I did, and it's eaten away at me. I am so sorry. Howard began to find a peace in his life that he had never experienced before. And every Christmas, without fail, for the rest of his life, he would receive a box of German chocolate in the mail from his friend. What is it that divides us so as a human race? that divides us so much that at, very, at the very worst we end up at war with one another. St. Paul visits the church in Corinth, a new church full of followers of Jesus, and yet in their early years they had already become divided. Some of them said, I belong to Paul, and others said, I belong to Cephas, another word for Peter. Some said, I belong to Apollos. Another's, I belong to Christ. And Paul said, what's going on here? How is it that you all have figured out how to be so divided so early in your life as a church? How is it that you have not only become divided, but you have let yourself become defined by your division? I belong to this one. I belong to that one. Your divisions don't define you. You are defined as followers of Christ. Never forget that, Paul says. Oh, and Jesus, when he, when he was calling the disciples, he always said these words that I have spent my life trying to understand. He said this word, repent. The kingdom of heaven is right around you. And if you've been walking this journey with me a little bit, you know I wrote a whole book on this word, repent, which I believe is best translated as get over yourself. Because in Greek, the word is metanoia, which is the opposite of paranoia. So paranoia is when we turn into ourselves in fear, which is what happens when we disagree. We feel threatened, we turn into ourselves and we say, I belong to Paul, I belong to Cephas, I belong to the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or this faction or that faction. And it, what is it? It's me, me, me. I belong, I'm this, I'm that. Paranoia is dividing and turning into the self in fear. The word repent is best translated as metanoia, which is the opposite of paranoia. It is turning out of the self towards God, not living by fear, not living by division or discord or anger. Not that we don't disagree, not that we don't get mad, but we don't let it define us or isolate us unto ourselves. Instead, we turn outwards. We don't stop communicating. We don't stop reaching out because reconciliation and the changing of hearts don't happen when we isolate ourselves. They happen when we reach out 
to those with whom we disagree. And I know I hate it, don't you? In fact, last night, I was at the Mellow Mushroom Pizza restaurant watching the Jags games with my boys, and there was this woman. She was seated at the bar, and she wore all red. This woman was a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and boy, was she asking for it. Every time that the Chiefs made a good play, she would go, yay, woo, and I felt like literally strangling her. <laughs> it is so hard not to get all into our little roles and righteousness. It feels kind of good to be in your own little party. I love to bless the car keys of teenagers when they get their driver's license. It's really important. If you have a teenager, bring me car keys anytime. But there's a special prayer that I like to say, which is this. Please, Lord, help this young person to remember when they get behind the wheel that it is better to be safe than to be right. that it is better to be safe than to be right. And the same is true in life. Do you want to be right and be all divided and alone? Or are you willing to reach beyond yourself to something more? After the Jags game, I went to the birthday party of Bill Spears. Is Bill here? Bill, can you stand up there? Bill is 96 years old. Not only is Bill Spears 96 years old, but he is the veteran of three wars. World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. When Bill Spears was at a reunion of veterans of World War II, everybody else was in a wheelchair. And they kept asking Bill, do you need a wheelchair? And he kept saying no. And then they'd say again, you sure you don't need a wheelchair? And he'd say no. And then they'd ask him again, you sure you don't need a wheelchair? And finally Bill's daughter said, would you stop asking him that? And last night at Bill's birthday party, which by the way was hundreds of people, guess what they did all night? They danced. And if you ask Bill how he stays young, he dances and he reaches out to talk to everybody. That's why he's an usher. That's how he stays young. That's why we teach art, music, and dance to all these children throughout the public school systems. Because if you want to reach beyond yourself, you need to communicate, and the best form of communication is art. Because if we're going to live in a new world, we've got to learn to dance with everyone. My friends, that is our hope. That is our prayer. 
That is our unity, that we will dance together and the kingdom of heaven will come near. Happy birthday, Bill. We're so proud of you. And everybody else, let's keep on getting out there and communicating and reaching out, particularly with the people with whom we disagree. And I know it's hard, but never stop so long as you take breath on this earth. Amen? Amen. Amen.